what somebody else did or what somebody else experienced or maybe what you experienced before. If I go to the hood and they, everybody cuts me out, you know, I can't go back to the hood and with that aggression and thinking that they're going to cuss me out. I have to treat everything case by case basis. And that's what I honestly try to do. You know, I done been in, this, in them situations where, you know, I got pulled over by the police, you know. So I understand that feeling. As a police or before over. becoming a police officer? Nah, before, before becoming a police officer. Yeah, I've been pulled over, mm-hmm. you know. I went to jail. So, like, I, I know that feeling. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that feeling. What'd you go to jail for? Though, driving with suspended license. What was that like? I don't see how people go to jail all the time. You you have no rights. Like, you have no freedom. You do what somebody tell you to do. They tell you when to eat, tell you when to drink, tell you all that. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't understand what make people put themselves in that situation when they come to certain situations. Do you think that experience influenced your behavior as a police officer? Not necessarily that experience because I didn't have bad run-ins with the police to where I, they, you know, I, now that I'm a police officer, they violated my rights of, of not knowing certain stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, so being, dealing with the police and that kind of like, and then be, becoming the police, I kind of understand what both sides is. You know what I'm saying? I understand what it's like to have a conversation with the police and you feel like somebody violating your rights. But I also see it from a police standpoint to understand that I have a job to do when it comes to certain situations. And it, that also helps me talk to people a certain type of way. Because you don't want to talk, if you don't want somebody to talk to you a certain type of way, you don't talk to somebody else a certain type of way. You know what I'm saying? It's like a case-by-case case basis how you do it. You don't treat everybody the same. You know what I'm saying? I think one of the hardest things police officers try to get people to do is try to see it from a police standpoint. Yeah. And people never see it from a police standpoint because they didn't go through the training. The regular person don't see what the police officers see on a daily basis. So trying to get somebody to understand it from your standpoint, they can never be the police officer. They can never be the, see it from a police standpoint. So you have to, be, as an officer, you have to be open-minded. You, you have to be able to disengage from certain things, you can't be judgmental when it comes to certain situations. Mm. What made you become a police officer? Couldn't beat them, so I joined them. I'm just playing. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, honestly, I went to school to be a lawyer. So I had a conversation with somebody at, at my school, and I had no idea they were the police. So I was just talking trash about the police. And, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, so that person asked me, like, well, if you don't like what the police doing, why don't you become the police? I'm like, man, I ain't about to be no police officer, man. I ain't no sucker. But it stuck with me what that person said to me, you know, and it just like, I want to get into it to help people understand the law. But being that I'm a police officer, I can have, I can have immediate impact on somebody's life right then and there. I know I have the power to take somebody freedom, you know, and if I articulate myself a certain type of way, I can take that person freedom. But I also can have immediate impact to where I can say, okay, bro, if you do this, then, you know, this this can happen. But if you do this, this can happen. So I, I can have an immediate impact on people. So it's just like being able to, to, to change people's lives yeah. in a positive way. You know what I'm saying? And and I took, I take 
my job serious. Like it's a service to me. You know, I enjoy serving people. I enjoy you know making people smile and stuff like that. And it's, I don't I don't do the same thing every day. It's something new every day. I try to use it. Use my powers for good. You once said that some people get into the business, the profession for the wrong reasons. What are some of those reasons that you've seen? Using your badge to get certain things that you shouldn't get. You know, like, if, if it's a power. Like, a lot of people feel some kind of power behind that badge. And then it's in the sense of entitlement. For example, if police car parking in the handicapped spot, you feel entitled to park in the handicapped spot because you're a police officer. Uh, you carry a badge and gun, you feel entitled. You feel exempt from a lot of the things, and you, you can't have that mindset. Is that uh, a mindset you think people have prior to becoming a police officer, or one that they adopt once they become one, and they realize I think it's a little bit of both. I literally think it's both, because I think the same thing with money. Money only enhances the person that you really are. Mm-hmm. Same thing with power. Power enhances the person that you really are. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like you get some power, you know, you do. I mean, carrying a gun in the badge, you feel invincible sometimes. I think it's like this, going through all this training as a police officer and you accomplish being able to wear a gun in the badge, I think it gives you a lot of confidence and I think it gives certain people a lot of confidence that they didn't have mm-hmm. prior to them becoming a police officer because what comes with that, you know what I'm saying? Like carrying that gun in the badge comes with a lot of perks. You were part of the biggest gang worldwide. You felt some sense of confidence that you was one of the one of the people that made it through. Have you seen anybody that you uh, went through the academy with and they got through as well, and but they've changed? Yeah, I, I, I would say I would say that. I think going through the academy, our academy was like eleven weeks, and so you literally spend time with people for eleven weeks. They become your family, so you get to see certain things about certain people. I, I didn't really see nobody change for the worse. Mm-hmm. I just seen people, you know, they get better. Or they get confident. Like if it was an area where they wasn't confident in, um, they became confident in that area. So I didn't really see nobody change for the bad that I went through the academy with. I was just wondering if you ever had to check another police officer. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, a couple of times. They've done to you or something they've done to a civilian? Some they've done to civilian. Like for example, I had a situation I was coming from I was coming from work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working off an off duty job and I was coming from work and I seen this officer had some people pulled over and the officer asked me, he was like, Hey, 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 stop for a second. I was like, Okay, what's going on? He was like, I got this situation going on and they was kids. Mm-hmm. So I asked them, first thing I asked him, I said, Hey, did you contact their parents? And he was like, "No, I didn't." I was like, "Why?" That's 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 rule number one. When you're dealing with juveniles, you must contact their parents. So that situation, like what he was doing, search the car, didn't get permission to search the car because you didn't contact the owner, and just like certain things like that, where you was about to take these individuals to jail, and it wasn't going to stand on the, it's, it wasn't going to stand. You can't do that. You can't violate people's rights like that. And, it, and then I had, and you don't check an officer in front of people because that's embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? So it's been another time where how people talk to people, you know, that go a long way, you know, because people remember that. Yeah. So it's just like, 
talking to people. You don't talk to people a certain type of way. Now, you'll get some officers that say, well, I'm not going to uh, hug a thug. It's not necessarily hug a thug. It's just how you talk to people. You don't like for nobody to talk to you any kind of way, so why would you accept that from, why would somebody accept that? You know what I'm saying? And that, that goes back to the whole entitlement thing. You mentioned you know, that so, um, you wouldn't check a police officer in front of a civilian. But I imagine in this case with these kids, they were allowing this to happen, one, because they were probably afraid, and two, they didn't know what was legal, what was acceptable, you know. Right, they didn't. They didn't know their rights. So, how would you educate, how, like, how would you explain this to those civilians that these are your rights, this is what, this is the power that you have and the power that we as police officers don't have or have to be granted? Like, but when, when else would they learn this situation? When is when they learn this lesson in order to apply later on? If something that's, like this happens. That's, that's a tough question. It's like sometimes it's that's a real good question. It's it's hard to try to is, explain that. Put like this, when I'm dealing with when I'm dealing with kids, I would tell them to contact their parents. Mm-hmm. And I always tell kids that if you don't feel comfortable Talking to the police, don't talk to the police, and it, it's 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 sad because I was watching uh that documentary about the kids in New York the, when all those Central kids Park Five Central Park Five, and it's it it I actually cried watching that documentary because I have two teenage boys. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like biologically, not mine, but I have two teenage boys. And I had to sit down with them and tell them how to interact with the police because they they of age to where they're driving. They of age when you know what I'm saying. How they look, they look. You know, they black men, and you know they have the the twist in their head and stuff like that. And having a conversation with them and telling them how to interact with the police. And I'm a police officer was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And, and telling them, like, you don't don't talk to the police. You know, if the police pull you over, you do what they say. If you don't feel comfortable, don't talk to the police. Ask to talk to a lawyer. Talk to your parents. And if they did not, don't, don't, don't talk to the police to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And being a police officer and, and, and having a conversation... With my boys, it was probably one of the hardest things that I ever had to do. Because on one end, you like, well, you a police officer. You know what I'm saying? And then, why should I not talk to a police officer? And it, it, it sound, it sound kind of like an oxymoron, but you don't want to see your kids go through that same situation that those kids went through. You know, so it's just like, when I talk to kids, I tell them, like, if you don't feel comfortable talking to the police, don't come off as disrespectful. And it's, it's, it's like, it's just do what they tell you to do to a certain extent. And it's, it's almost like people don't like that word, do what they tell you to do. At the end of the day, you want to go home. You know what I'm saying? When I say you, I mean you as kids, as, as individuals, you want to go home. So do, just do what they tell you to do. And if you don't feel comfortable... Wait till your parents get there. I always tell kids that even though how bad the situation is, and you don't want to get in trouble with your mama, but you don't want to put yourself in no situation either. So 
contact your parents. You know, you contact your parents if you don't feel comfortable. And understand what the police can and cannot do. You have to study. When you say you want to go home, you mean not to jail or not buried? At the end of the day, if, if home, if you get in trouble at home is the jail, then you rather just, okay, walk out of that situation, you want to be alive. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, you'll have police officers that say, man, I just want to go home at the end of the night. So does the people that you deal with want to go home as well. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to be, you have to be, It's, 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 it's tough, like, because you have to be able to, as an officer, you got to, it's a dangerous job. Everybody know that you signed up for it, it's a dangerous job, you know what I'm saying, you know that, you know, but it just, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. It's, it's real, it's real, it's a real great area. How crazy is it as a police officer to put the sentence together when talking to a civilian, do what you're told to do? To a certain extent, because at the end of the day, you want to go home, and that has a double meaning. In sense, you either you don't want to go to jail, or you don't want to get killed. As far as don't want to get killed, how tough is that of a realization to come to as a police officer, knowing that other police officers have and are capable of taking the life of a could have possibly. Um, Innocent civilian, someone in a situation where they didn't, they didn't, weren't deserving of death. That's but that's tough because it's like how it's it's really a case by case situation. You know, it's like each situation that where somebody lost their life. Um, but. That's a sad situation. That's a sad situation for that officer who got to deal with that, and that's a sad situation for um, for the for the family that's affected by it. Um, as an officer, you know, my first day in the academy, they told me if you're not willing to if if you're not willing to I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but if you're not willing to die, then it's not the job for you. If you, and, and and every time you walk out that door, you it can be like this. Come, this could be my last day. You know what I'm saying? You have to not necessarily have that mentality, but you do to a certain extent because it can happen. Mm-hmm. It, it can it can definitely happen. You know, and taking somebody else's life, you know, that's that's something that an officer. That's that's a hard pill to swallow. I pray that I never have to experience that. You know, it's like I don't. You know, I pray that I never have to pull my firearm out. You know, it's is man, that's that's tough. That's real tough. And I, I just hope that I don't have to experience that ever. Because you didn't you didn't you didn't you didn't want you didn't want to be a police officer for that. I didn't know. That's not something you want to do. Yeah. In that same vein, uh, I want to talk about the Maud Aubrey situation. Aside from being a police officer, just as a black U.S. citizen who, from what I understand, likes to exercise, goes running. Definitely. Yep. How do you feel about that? Man, prior 
to this happening, I jog with my pistol. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I go, I take my gun with me. And that's not, that should not be, you know, something that you that you think about, oh, I'm, I'm got my headphones in and I got to carry my pistol. You know what I'm saying? But it's just that situation where that happened to that young man is, mm-hmm. that's sad. Because it's like, regardless of whatever the situation is, it's, it shouldn't have been to that point. You got people that's what they call them neighborhood watch people. Yeah, they think they police officers, and that's that's not your job. Like that's not your job to do something like that, regardless of whatever that young man was doing. If he out jogging and let him jog, if you don't like something, then you call the police and let them do that. But when you take matters in your own hands, that's not cool. That was literally a modern day lynching. They shot and killed that young man for no reason. I like the job. I like the exercise, and it, it, you hesitate about that. You know, it's like because I don't look like I'm belonging in this neighborhood. What am I doing if I have on some shorts and a shirt, and I'm running? That doesn't mean I'm running from something. It shouldn't be like that. I should be able to move and and, and go wherever I want to go without being harassed. But that's part of the reason why I jog with my firearm. Yeah, it's, it's a little heavy. At the end of the day, you know, I'm trying to get back home, you know, and, and I have to constantly look around and, you know, not play my music so loud in my headphones so I can hear my surroundings. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. Because it took place in February, right? Yep. And they were arrested when? Not too They was arrested in, in May. Oh. Like a couple of weeks ago. Is this normal or should this have happened faster? And if it should happen faster, what took so long? Well, like this, if it was vice versa, mm-hmm. they 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 would have went to jail that night. If if there was a young white man jogging around the, down the street, and it was two black guys that kid, they would have went to jail that same night. Regardless, of, regardless of whatever situation, they didn't get questioned. They didn't they didn't go in the headquarters and get questioned by the detectives. They didn't do none of that because apparently the daddy or somebody used to work for the DA, so you had friends in the district attorney office and you probably had friends that was police officers and they didn't do their job and that's 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 the difference like that's it took that video coming out and people putting pressure on them for them to do something about that that's not cool at all with the people who i mean this basically sounds like malpractice it was actually passed over three times the district attorney at uh glenn county Mm mm-hmm it was passed to somebody else because he was friends with that person. Then when they looked into it, because at first they didn't see that no, it wasn't no no probable cause. It didn't, nothing showed them that they was guilty of the shooting. So, but then also he had to dismiss himself because he was friends with the people. It was passed along three times. It's, it, and it, it's not it's not the police. It's the system. It's the it's the it's the justice system. You know what I'm saying? It's not fair at all. That's not fair. Regardless of whatever they accuse him of doing, they don't give him the right to take somebody's life. He didn't have no weapon on him. He didn't do nothing. I'm just trying to figure out how he lost his life. Do you think he would have been different had he carried a firearm? Yep. He'll be, he'll, he'll be able to defend himself. Okay. I don't care what nobody said. That brings up another question that I have. You are a trained police officer. You know how to handle a firearm, but how easy is it for somebody who's not trained 
to in, 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 a, in a situation where the adrenaline is up, it's fight or flight, and your, your, your nerves are, are going every which way, how easy in that type of situation for someone who's not trained and not used to it? Because the, apparently one of these people were, they were a former police officer. How easy is, would it be for the everyday citizen without that experience in that type of situation to accurately defend himself and hit his or her target without possibly hitting a, an innocent bystander? I, I say, I tell this to everybody who carry a firearm. If you carry a firearm, you need to practice with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, before, before you get a driving test, before you get your driving license, you get a driving test. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to own a firearm, you need to know how to, you know, use a firearm. Just don't get it just to get it. You know, you practice with it because it could be a situation where your life depends on it. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of carrying the firearm is for protection. You know, just me being a trained police officer, I have to go to the range constantly. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you have to... It's, it's muscle. It's not a muscle memory. You know what I'm saying? Shooting a gun is not something that we're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to practice. And I tell people all the time, if you're going to own a firearm, you need to get training. familiar with it. Training. Yeah, definitely. You should. But being in that situation is not an everyday situation. I mean, it's one. It's thing, not. It's, it's one thing to to get the practice in and become familiar with it, and like say you're going hunting, like for an animal or something. That's right. one thing, but when you're in the, you're a fight for your life with other people who are armed as well, I'm asking how easy. I'm just putting myself in that position. Uh, I've probably touched a firearm twice, never pulled the trigger. Um, but if I were in a situation where it's do or die, first I have to get to the gun, and then I have to grip it, then I have to aim. I feel like for some people, when their nerves are bad or they feel like somebody's chasing them and they're trying to get to their car, it's difficult for them to hold on to their keys, you know. Right. And, and that's significantly smaller <laughs> and lighter than a firearm. Right. How really? But it's, it's the same thing that go with officers. Just yeah, but because I, I, I practice with my firearm don't mean if, if, exactly. if I get so into if it's, a, if a it's the same. Depth. If it's the same for an officer, how much more? Would, how much more difficult would it be for somebody who isn't one? Is the question. Right. Yeah. It's, it'll be very difficult. It'll be very difficult for an officer because you won't. You, you let that adrenaline rush and that dump, and you get tunnel vision, and you're nervous, and you, like you said, you get in fight or flight. It's the same thing for for every human. But I get what you're saying when you practice. That's why only thing I can say is practice mm-hmm. because you can't you can't come up with no kind of scenario. To where you would have to put yourself in that scenario, you know. Mm-hmm. Even as officers, when we go through certain training, mm-hmm. you know, we'll go through certain scenarios, and you will get tunnel vision mm-hmm. because you know if we practicing and we go to the shoot house and you clean the room and it's dark and somebody else in there, you know, somebody in there, you gonna feel that adrenaline. You gonna have that that dump, like that adrenaline dump, and you gonna feel that. You know, that's the closest that we get to that situation. Now, people that is not a police officer, they can't train for that. You mm-hmm. can't train for that. And just, but putting your hand on the trigger, you know, gripping it, understanding the recoil that you get from firing the firearm, just in case it, it comes down to that. Practice that. Get familiar with your gun. You might not be accurate, but you probably can scare the person 
that got the gun or whatever that okay this person got a gun too and that can scare the person mm -hmm. you know it, it you pray that you don't have to experience that but you can't there's no way that you can practice that even as a trained police officer mm -hmm. you can't practice that scenario what do you think should happen to the people who killed them? they should be prosecuted to the highest degree and what's that um, in your opinion that to me is first degree murder Mm -hmm. In Georgia, it's called malice murder. Yeah, your intent was to, your intent was to kill him, yeah. regardless of whatever. It wasn't to talk to him. You got two shotguns. You was driving in the car looking for him and recording you it. Had it. Yeah, and the person behind it was recording it. He should go to jail too. You know what I'm saying? But it's just think about this. Think about if that video never came out. Yeah. Think about it. That video never came out. We will never know. They'll walk around scot free because oh. their intent was to kill him. That's how you prove first degree murder. Their intent. Your intent wasn't to go talk to him. Your intent wasn't to do nothing. You fired at him. Your intent was to kill him. I want to go back to what we were talking about earlier about educating people. How many outlets are there, or how many public platforms are there for people? To, to be educated, for example, a YouTube video or a channel or something where people can just openly go whenever they want to learn about their rights in certain situations. I haven't seen it. How would you feel about creating it? it just, if they use it for good, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some people, I know my rights and mm -hmm. I know what you can't do, you know, like, and sometimes they don't know their rights, but sometimes the police could be, could be in the right. Mm -hmm. Like, if the police pull you over, you know, that's a seizure. You can go to jail for that. You can go to jail for a seatbelt ticket. Mm -hmm. Because that's a that's a, that's a a stop. That's a seizure. Because you violated the law. You can go to jail for that. A lot of people don't. But just understanding your rights, if the police pull you over, he come up to the car and explain to you why he pulled you over, knowing, knowing your legal rights when it comes to, if, if you don't have to talk to the police, Nobody has to talk to the police if they don't want to. You can always refer and get a lawyer and let them speak for you. So if you ever get into a situation where you don't know, don't talk about something you don't know. Don't look on YouTube. Sometimes because people on YouTube may put something out and it's not it's not right. Each state got different laws. So understand your understand your local laws, mm -hmm. understand your state laws, and understand the federal law. You know, it's, it's different. And then... You have city ordinance. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have a city ordinance that police can enforce. You got state law that the city can enforce. Then you got, you know, stuff like that. Just a law in general. Just like you got the Constitution. So I just think people have to educate themselves when it comes to certain stuff. I mean, if you want to understand it and me putting myself out on the platform, I mean... I try to do it as much as I can as far as telling people their rights mm -hmm. when it comes to certain stuff. But sometimes people only take what they want to take. So you have to do research. And just because you know the law, police officers know the law too. Yeah. They had to go to the academy and get drilled in because in order for them to enforce the law, they got to know it. Yeah. Now, some officers mess up. but Being an African-American, growing up in the States, oftentimes you hear that uh, or even see that the uh, the law disproportionately targets minorities, primarily the black community. As a police officer, do you see that firsthand? Yes, I can see. I can see. I can see it. But then again, 
it's a lot of crime that's committed in the poverty-stricken areas. Yeah, which is expected. You know what I'm saying? Which, which is it, it's expected. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you're going to send all your resources by your enforcement to those areas. You know, and it's just seeing it, you know, it's like one of the saddest things that I see is blacks killing blacks and and the hatred that blacks have for other blacks. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's depressing to a certain extent. You know, it's like you really, you know, take somebody else's life that look just like you, that grew up with you, that got the same kind of struggles that you have. You know, and you see that, you know, and then so you have to have a, a higher police presence in that area because of the crimes. You know what I'm saying? Because of the stuff that goes on in those areas. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's easy for an officer to get to profile. You know what I'm saying? You may deal with somebody that look a certain type of way before, and he's a drug dealer, and then you see somebody look just like him, you can't assume that that person is a drug dealer as well. You know, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Now, do you think black people are killing black people because they're black or because that's just what they're around? Because I don't it's, see many white what, people in the hood. Yeah. It, you get, you know, because it's around, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, but it's sometimes the hatred that you see towards it, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like this person because of A, B, and C. You but it's never because and, they're uh, black, though. I, I just said, I see it from I say the hatred that you see with blacks amongst blacks. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I honestly don't really deal with a lot of uh, white guys that shoot other white guys. You know, I, I don't really, that's not really, you don't really see that that much. And I'm saying it don't happen. But does that go back to the, the issue of poverty, though? Yeah, it go back to the issue of poverty. Because but it's just like it had to be. It had to be a better way. Well, I'm thinking you know about. I'm, I'm thinking about society on a global scale, not just in the sense of, uh, in, in the terms of America, but like if you go outside of the United States of America, uh, you go to, say, France, or you go to the Philippines, where every a lot of people. Now, well, not France. That's more diverse. But let's say Philippines. There's a lot of crime and violence that happens there, and no one necessarily calls it Philippine on Philippine violence. Right. It's just yeah, violence. Right. Or if right. you go to, I'm sure China, for example, has its gangs and its violence, um, and they fight each other, not because they're Chinese, or not because they're Philippine, or not because they are Indian, or etc. Um, it's just because they're people who don't get along. For right. whatever reason, I just wonder if black on black crime is fair, because it makes it seem like we're like like black people are the only ones killing themselves when it's not the case. It's just that's just the environment that you're in, and you happen to share that environment with majority black people. And when you right. when you compare it to saying you know white individuals or the number of cases of white people, then it makes me think about the level of poverty and education and, um, and opportunities that are given to, or available more so to one community than, than it is to the other, whereas 
they don't have to engage in certain things that would that could result in violence at a higher pace. Right. That's just how I'm thinking about it. Um, the system, the mm-hmm. system is horrible. I ain't gonna lie. Mm-hmm. The system is the system is horrible. And when you break it down to you know, I never thought about it on the global on the global scale. Mm-hmm. I just think about you know. The areas that I see are the areas that I grew up in, are the areas that I was, you know, that you see. Yeah. It's, it, it, it sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the system is horrible because it's like, you know, people go to jail, they get out of jail, and can't get a job. They don't have... So, basically, you you, you say jail is supposed to re- rehabilitate you and stuff like that, but you put them back in the same community and they can't get no job, and certain things don't work, and they, they favor. So it's like you you put them back in that same situation to, you know, to do the same thing over and over and over, and over again. Mm-hmm. So it has to be something that has to change, and it seems like nobody knows the answer. Ooh. You know it. Do you have an idea? I feel like, like okay, so let's, let's, let's lose... Use poverty for an example. Let's use what? Now, I deal use poverty. Okay. So I deal with a lot of kids, and a lot of kids commit crimes. We talking about 13, 14 year old kids um, that's committing violent acts, and then you sit back and then you you wonder why they committing these violent acts. So then you look at their living situation. You know, you you look at generations of. You know, living in that same area, like my grandma used to live in here, and then my daddy, my dad is not in my life. My mama, you know, grew up in. You got generations of kids that grew up in poverty, so that's all they know. So it is like a system that can benefit everybody, so they can make more money. If you make more money, you can get yourself out of that situation because you put yourself in a situation where. You have that mentality, but we have to change the mentality of the people when it comes to certain things. Like financial is one of the one of the leading causes of why we can't provide you know better jobs to get people out of certain situations. Mm-hmm. If, I feel like if you change somebody's financial situation and put them in a better place to where they can succeed, or they see certain stuff outside of the norm. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother world out here. It's a whole nother world that's out here. But you got people that generation grew up in the same area. So you gonna what's gonna be the difference? If you see that, that's all you know. So it starts with education. Because now I'm just thinking about you have a city and within the city you have different sections. Some are better than others. Right. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this last night. Schools on one side of town are fantastic. And you got schools who are 10 minutes away. The, the difference, the disparity is just jaw-dropping. Like, one is great and one is just subpar, to say the yeah. least. And I'm just thinking, why isn't that the local or state government doesn't spread the money evenly? Because talking to teachers, I'm like, a lot of times they tell me when they grade the schools, rather than giving, like the poorest schools do the worst. And rather than giving them the resources that they need to improve, they punish them by taking things away. Yep. So, if that system hasn't been working, why not change it and try something else in order to improve the situation? Or do you think is there something that 
they don't want to change. Yeah, I think it's something they don't want to change. Um, people don't hold a local Ottomans or a local councils. Mm-hmm. They don't hold them accountable. They don't. And they the ones who making the decisions. You know, people hold the president and the governor and all that, but it's still local mm-hmm. government people that you're supposed to hold accountable because they'll run the campaign saying they're going to do this and this, and they're not doing it. So why we don't hold their feet to the fire? Mm-hmm. You know, the people that can make a, a change locally. You know, it's just like, but people just come accustomed to the same thing. Instead of you saying it, won't you be that person that make a change? And that was part of one of the reasons why it came police. Instead of me complaining about the police and what they're not doing, how about you get into it to where I can change mm-hmm. somebody's outlook on how they view the police amongst the black community? But they can see that, oh man, not all police officers are bad. It's not all, it's a lot of good officers out here. White, black, whatever. It's good officers out there. But the bad ones, you know, make us look bad. Has this whole pandemic changed your job? Now, what did change, now that you say that, certain calls we don't respond to. For example? It's like, it, it's it's really like a, a case by case, like, it's, okay, an accident, like a hit and run accident. Mm-hmm. So, an officer normally respond, but now they have to call in, like, they're doing a lot of call in reports. Yeah. If it's not like an emergency, emergency that an officer is really not needed, then they'll call in over the phone and do a report. You think this change how you do your job going forward? Like the things that you say are not needed, where officers are not needed. Uh, what if this turns out to be more efficient to continue to do this? Do you think this will be something that becomes permanent or you think it's going to go back to... Officer responding in person later once this is over. It's, it's gonna go back to officer responding in person. Do you prefer because this way? People, or? Certain calls you go on, you be like, "Bro, really? Y'all mm-hmm. really called me for this? Yeah, come on now." You know, so it's just like, you know, stuff like that. What's the craziest thing you got called for? <laughs> you mean like crazy, like funny, or just crazy, like and both? The funniest call I ever went on to. Oh my gosh, Mr. Cooper is his name. I never get this dude. So they it called it came out as a uh, it came out as a disorderly. It came out as a domestic, but end up being disorderly because they were just arguing it. So Mr. Cooper, I walked into the house. It was him and his girlfriend, whoever she was. Mr. Cooper was in the kitchen. <laughs> he was in the kitchen, right? He unplugged the stove. Mm-hmm. Like, literally unplugged the stove. First of all, you got to be strong to do that. And then, <laughs> so, you got to be strong to do that. And he, he had, so when I walked into the kitchen, he had this, he had his arms folded, and he had that fat cord, and yeah. he had it folded up in his, his hand. So I was like, Mr. Cooper, what's going on? <laughs> you were talking about, she being petty? I bought this stove and I unplugged this stove. <laughs> I bought this stove. I unplugged this stove. So I was like, I'm like laughing because I'm like, how petty you got to be to unplug the stove? And how, not even petty, but how frustrated you got to be to unplug that stove. Cause that, that's, that's, so he had to plug, the people bought the stove. And he said, ain't nobody doing no cooking on this stove. I bought this stove. <laughs> so I say, 
This is cool, man. Do me a favor, man. Plug the door back up. So we can get up, we can get out of here, man. Just plug the door back up. He was like, all right. I'm plugging the stove up. Hey, what's your name? I said, Officer. I'm plugging the stove up because Officer told me to unplug, I mean, to plug the stove up. Not because of you. I'm like, okay, just plug the stove up. <laughs> but I'm just, it was, that was funny. I, I tell people that story all the time. But overall, like, police officers get called to people that can't figure out certain stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so as a as a police officer, I have to wear so many hats. I have to, be, I may have to be a father, mother, you know, a pastor, um, a big brother. You know, people don't call the police when something good going. They call the police when they can't figure out what else to do. You know, a lot of a lot of people. You know, I mean, a lot of us. You know, certain situations we we don't know how to handle the situations. So and it, it's hard sometimes because you. You take a lot of you take you take work home sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like some calls follow you. Like kids, I went to a kid's death. You know, and that that stuck that stuck with me. I came home and I cried. You know, a six year old kid, you know, got killed mm-hmm. by a ten year old by accident. By accident, not nah, by accident. Mm-hmm. You know, there was it was doing um. Hurricane Matthew, the kids was out of school, and they was outside, and they was, you know, running around the neighborhood in an abandoned house, they found a gun. Mm. And one of the kids was like, that gun ain't real. And then the other kid was like, yes, it is, watch. And he shot. Mm. And he pulled the trigger, and he shot the little boy in the chest. And, you know, I was the first first officer on scene, and, you know, seeing that young man there, and then they put him in, he put him in the ambulance truck, and you know, he died on the way to the hospital. So he was outside with his brothers and sisters. Yeah. And to see that and then having to talk to the kids and for them to witness that, you know, it was sad. So it's like stuff like that, you know, that you see. You said something earlier about um, police, people don't call the police when something wrong. But can you call the police otherwise? Like to invite them to a barbecue or say what's <laughs> up? Or happy nah, birthday or something. I don't know. Nah. I mean, you probably can. I don't know if, you know, people actually did it. But it is, I actually, you know, enjoy riding around. I get out my car, talk to people. Get out my car, play football with the kids in the neighborhood. Play basketball with the kids in the neighborhood. Because that stuff like that make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not remember their name. Yeah. You know, but they going to remember you. You know, you'll go out somewhere like... Oh, you know, he was playing basketball with me. You know, I was playing football together. He, you know, was walking down the street talking to me. You know, and and I try to do, that's what I try to do. To try to have a positive impact. You you were talking about some of the struggles of being a police officer. What's some of the perks? You know, some of the perks, you know, you may go to the little corner store. You get a free drink. You know, you get some free stuff out the store. Chick-fil-A give us police a little discount, you know, 50% off if you're in uniform. I know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but being able to, to be a service person, to be able to serve people, that's that's one of the the, the perks of the job. Mm-hmm. Being part of a, you know, a fraternity to a certain extent that, that, that you know what I'm saying, that go on for, you know, forever. You know, having... You know, uh, that camaraderie with other officers, that's perks of it, too. 
What do you hope to change? Or what type of influence do you hope to have on the police and the system itself? Bridging the gap between the public and the police. Being able for the community to actually trust the police, to, to trust us to the point that, well, they know we're going to do right no matter what. 